Hello, and welcome back to Campbell & Company's podcast on fundraising during COVID-19. If this is your first episode, we're using this series to show how nonprofits have kept their fundraising strategies fresh and responsive during a difficult time. To learn more, visit our COVID-19 information hub at campbellcompany.com COVID-19. On this week's episode, Vice President and East Region Director Tina Yoon spoke to Jen Bruner, Director of Advancement at the Children's Science Center. Let's listen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Tina. Great to be with you today. Thank you for joining us. We just wanted to have a conversation with you to learn about how the Children's Science Center has adjusted to the new normal and uh, would love to hear about the ways in which the Children's Science Center has adjusted its fundraising, some new opportunities that have emerged, and also I know you're trying to finish up a campaign. So we have a lot to talk about. But before we begin, let's just start first um, to hear a little bit about the Children's Science Center and your role there. Great. Um, Tina, thank you so much for this opportunity to share and to tell a little bit about my favorite subject, the Children's Science Center. We are a regional in interactive, hands-on um, nonprofit organization, a museum that serves to inspire children to love hands-on learning in science, technology, engineering, and math. And we do that every day, or at least we did until March 13th and the pandemic started, um, by inspiring kids in their neighborhood, in their communities, in their school groups, um, in our Children's Science Center lab facility in Faro Small and Fairfax, and as you mentioned, as we grow to evolve into building a regional science center on donated land in Dulles, Virginia. Um, I'm really proud to serve the organization. I've been there six and a half years, and, uh, and we do a lot of good in the community, and we're really looking forward to the day when we can open a door to a Science Center that has never existed in Northern Virginia. Great. Thanks, Jen. It actually is a very interesting time for the Science Center because I know that you did have student groups, visitors, families coming to the lab over in the Fair Oaks Mall and provided them an interactive hands-on experience. But because of COVID, it's just removed all that possibility. So maybe you can tell us about some of the ways in which your organization has had to pivot during this time. Absolutely, and I think pivot is perhaps the word of the year. I'm not really sure whether we like that word or not, but um, certainly pivot is what we've had to do. As you said, um, we have been proud to serve over 50,000 visitors a year in our little facility in Fair Oaks Mall and another 25,000 visitors on wheels um, across all of the seven jurisdictions in Northern Virginia with those hands-on opportunities. And when the world went sideways on March 13th, we, like many other arts institutions, arts and culture museums, had to close our doors. Um, we couldn't be hands-on, and we still can't. Um, and so for us, it really was how do you continue to move the mission forward and serve as many of our constituents as we can who have come to rely on us. Um, the lab would have celebrated its fifth anniversary in June, um, so it was a little bit of a sad moment for us that we weren't able to celebrate that milestone. Um, but as you also mentioned, we call ourselves a little bit these days the tale of two cities because we are an organization that is delivering a mission today and a vision for tomorrow. And um, I think any professional, any fundraising professional, the first thing that you would say is, is in a moment of crisis, the first thing you do is reach out to your donors, check in with them. How are they doing? What's going on with them? Because we are in the relationship building business and we're offering an opportunity for um, these amazing folks that have chosen to give their time and their talent and their treasure to your organization to support your mission. And so that's an important component that should never, ever um, escape um, our our view of what we, how we engage with our donors. 
So that was really first and foremost what our team, the advancement team for the Science Center did. We literally printed a list of donors and we divided it up between us all and we started calling right after we closed in March with a message of, how are you? How's your family? Are your kids okay? Um, what's going on with you? How have you been impacted? And as you can imagine, those conversations always end up going around to, well, how are you? And how's the science center? And what's going on? Um, deeply emotional conversations, lots of positive messages. Um, and we were able to tell the story of how we were closed, um, how we were attempting to pivot, um, the fact that we were able to secure a payroll protection program grant slash loan, um, and save our staff um, because we did have to furlough about three, a third of our staff right after we closed. And so for advancement, it was how do we make sure we can get those folks back as fast as possible because they're our frontline um, mission deliverers, our STEM educators who are working with our, our families. And along the way of those really impactful conversations, lots of things happened for us that were a blessing. Um, the first is we made that important connection with these uh, champions for us. Um, we also raised a little bit of money <laughs> because folks were generous with their treasure. And, um, and we, uh, as an organization, rely on sustainable fundraising, multi-year gifts um, to sustain our operations and our mission. And it was really um, an opportunity for us to activate a lot of those donors who have open pledges to make those pledges as fast and as early as possible because that, um, that was key to our sustainability, as always, but it was even more so with the lens of the pandemic. So we were really grateful that many of those champions answered that part of our call. But we got great ideas as well on what they needed for their families and their children and how our team could focus our energy on what kind of mission delivery of programs that we could support. So again, lead with mission, which is what we have always done. So it's been a hard um, road. It's been a long six months. Uh, we will not be able to open an interactive science center for the foreseeable future. In fact, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, Governor Northam, we are precluded in stage three of our COVID reopening. So we can't. Our footprint is too small. We can't keep folks safe. And as a science center, we have to lead with the science, and we have to make sure yeah. that what we do keeps everyone safe, our team, our volunteers, our visitors, our community. Um, and so until we can be confident that we can lead with science, our virtual world is here to stay. Um, but it has a blessing, and I think uh, blessings abound for us uh, in that we now have a larger footprint perhaps than we did with our small facility because we can reach folks where they are. Uh, we can reach folks in unique and different ways. This has always been on our long-term strategic plan, but we get to do it a little bit faster. That's right. I was really excited when you were sharing with me earlier about some of the ways that you've been connecting with the public schools and how they've been setting up like food distribution centers. And I'd love if you could just tell us a little bit about that and, and maybe what the response that donors have had to that. Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, you know, mission is everything. Mission is first and foremost in what we do um, and providing resources that serve all of our children, and we take that word all very seriously in how we define the, the constituents that we serve. And a huge population and a myth that we bust a lot in Northern Virginia is the myth of need. Um, and a lot of folks say, well, you're in Northern Virginia. It's the most wealthy, most affluent area of the state of Virginia, and they have everything they need. They're, they don't have kids in, at need, um, certainly not as compared to kids in other regions um, close by and within the downstate or, or uh, other areas. And, and we you know, kind of nod our head and we shake our head and we smile and we say, well, you're, you know, you're right. We do absolutely have lots of affluence, and there are pockets of 
um, of, of extreme uh, um, access. But um, the reality is that over one-third of the children in Northern Virginia, that's about 140,000 children at the elementary school age are qualified by the State Board of Education as receiving free and reduced-price meals. So these are kids who aren't traveling to science centers out of state, whose parents aren't taking those vacations to places where there are these resources. These are kids for whom their schools and their PTAs don't have those extra resources to make um, charter buses possible to go to um, downstate or out-of-state resources. And so these are kids that we have to reach too, um, and, and we take that very seriously. We've been very um, fortunate in our relationships with donors and their support for, for making sure that this population is inspired um, with STEM learning to, um, to reach into their schools. And so we work with a lot of uh, Title I schools as they're designated um, in, here in Northern Virginia. There are 102, and we get to about four of them in a normal year. And so when the world went sideways, we thought, oh boy, how do we make sure that we can serve this population for whom the gap is going to widen? Because many of these children don't have the connectivity uh, issues that, that our own children have. My children are very fortunate, um, and I won't tell you how many devices we run at once in our house, but um, for many of our families, they don't have this access. And when the school partnership was suspended because of safety reasons and the kids were in their buildings, um, that gap got even wider. And so um, we talked a lot with educators in our world, a lot of administrators within the various jurisdictions. How do we help reach um, with perhaps a moment of fun and an interactive, because hands-on is a no-no, but an interactive experience. Um, and so we're working with the schools to develop um, a couple of different opportunities for programming. And you mentioned, um, you know, food distribution, and that's a big part of what a lot of our community is lifting up right now is making sure that our folks have um, have food and shelter, aid in, in those needs, and, and working with the school systems, which we hear a lot of, of school buses being mobile hotspots and sitting in parking lots so kids can do their homework homework and, 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 the, and the distribution center of using the school sites for food um, up to two or maybe three meals a day. And so we're working with our school partners to figure out how we can be there. Um, safely. Can we, for example, come with our child-sized van and do uh, a science-on-the-go 45-minute experience where kids are sitting around eating their box lunch and they're having a chance to interact with our team? Um, are we able to deliver kits, hands-on STEM kits, which has been a really powerful um, and really positive um, uh, outcome of some of the things that we've done over the summer with our summer camp program and, and having those opportunities for kids, again, to have experiential learning? How do we work in partnership with the schools. Um, many of our elementary school partners in this virtual world, some of our elementary school kids are getting 20 minutes of science a week. So how can a science center partner to help the teachers um, work on maybe their asynchronous days um, to do some STEM clubs or after school things? Um, it's hard in a virtual world to add another virtual opportunity. Um, but we're trying. Uh, funders have been extraordinarily generous in giving us the time to try. And, um, you know, we are mm. funders and professionals, right? Gen op is the no-no. <laughs> you never ask for general support because you, you want this to be content mission and, 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 and program driven. But um, funders are extraordinarily generous and, and forgiving and allowing us to, to re-emerge re as an organization that can, can, again, think of a new way to deliver our mission. So um, there's more to come on that story because there's just not enough data to tell us 
how we're going to do. Um, so, so we yeah. appreciate that funders have been willing to say, I like where you're going and keep me posted and maybe some of those metrics that we were holding you accountable to we can, we can let slide or, or give you a longer time horizon to meet. Um, so I think that's been gratifying for us for sure. Yeah, I think one of the important um, points that, um, that emerges from what you've just shared is that relationship that you have with your funders that it is a conversation, that there is give and take, understanding that this is an extraordinary time and that in order to serve the populations and the folks that we really care about um, takes a little bit of experimentation. And um, I know even as fundraisers, we've had to be somewhat experimental in the way (laughs) that we do our outreach and such. And, you know, a lot of your donors are pretty much local. How are you managing those conversations with donors? Are you mostly doing them over the phone? Are you doing them by video outside, socially distanced? How is that working out for the Children's Science Center? Well, you know, one of my favorite things to do is get a cup of coffee with a donor. And in a virtual world, that's a little bit of a challenge. And so I'm having to find ways to have virtual cups of coffee with uh, many of our our donors. Um, And and so you're right. Texting, um, uh, voice messages, uh, phone calls are, of course, always, I think, the gold standard. But we're all, you know, that's hard to do sometimes with many of our donors of just catching folks and having a minute to talk. Um, so we actually are, um, we've, we've done a lot with video calls and Zoom. And I think, again, the silver lining in a virtual world is a lot of us are home and a lot of us are more accessible <laughs> than we used to be. <laughs> You're laughing, right? But think about how many times it took you to get that coffee meeting with a particular donor and, and you try a text message and you're like, hey, you got a couple minutes to chat with me on Zoom? And they're like, yeah, sure. How's tomorrow look? And you're like, whoa. Um, so I think it, it's uh, a <laughs> blessing that's been fun. But for us, uh, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, we're trying really hard to be um, uh, relevant to donors, right? Because the story, yeah. as an advancement manager, as advancement director, as someone that's a fundraiser, I always want the story to be about my organization and my mission, and I always want to do the, uh, the listening about why you love us, right, um, and tell our story. But, um, but it's, it's, it's a, it is a, a dialogue, and so um, wanting to um, really um, share some information, but at the same time have that that physical as much as you can check in. So video calls mm-hmm. are really powerful. But we also want to be relevant to the story of being a region's resource. And so while I always think the story is about us, it isn't, right? <laughs> but it's about the region. And so we're, we rolled out something we're really proud of because you can't have um, traditional donor events. You can't bring the donors in to watch a program. You can't have a birthday celebration with your donors. You can't um, – a, a lot of the things that we as traditional fundraisers and traditional models don't work right now. Um, and so we're really excited. We re- rolled out something that we call community conversations. And they are um, hour-long lunchtime on a weekday, which apparently is a really good time of day to do it around here, um, Zoom calls. And what we're doing is it's a dialogue with our executive director um, and a subject matter expert um, on a topic that is relevant to our region. And uh, we were really excited about the, the, the engagement from donors. We've had at least 100 donors each time, um, which I think is, is wonderful for an event like an hour-long Zoom call over lunch. And we've had some great conversations about um, the, uh, the state of science centers and, and what's happening in the arts and culture museum world. We, we're blessed in Northern Virginia to have the head of all of the trade associations here, the American Alliance for Museums, the Association of Science and Technology, 
Technology Centers, the Association of mm-hmm. Children's Museums. They all reside here. And in fact, the, um, the head of the American Alliance for Museums is not only here, based here, but she and her family are huge fans of our Science Center. And so we invited her in the middle of the summer to have a conversation with us and to inform our donors and our stakeholders about what's happening in the arts and culture and museum world. Um, it wasn't about us. It was about how arts and culture organizations are struggling and, uh, and really um, what's happening to the industry, all arts and culture, museums, zoos, aquariums, um, uh, uh, science centers, children's museums, all of those cultural resources that are a fabric of our community. Um, that was powerful, and we had a lot of um, amazing engagement that we didn't expect um, during the call, after mm-hmm. the call. Um, in follow-up. And so it's it spurred us to continue this as a dialogue on a regular basis. And it's a, it's a big lift because you're producing a little bit of a live event um, a couple times a year. But it was it, the reward is so worth it because, as you pointed out, we're, we're continuing to deepen those relationships with our stakeholders. Um, and so uh, it, you're part of the Child's Eye family. And being part of the Child's Eye family means being part of our community. That's so good to hear. I know that a lot of groups have experimented with having virtual events and they've been able to see that folks that are normally can't show up to an in-person one, they are able to log on and they are still interested and excited about being able to engage, even if it's virtual. And I know we're all getting tired of Zoom meetings, but at the same time, when there's something exciting that you're offering, that it does bring people together. So I'm really excited to hear about that. Maybe just to close, we could just... Think about what are the prospects for next year and um, are there any things that you're planning on continuing that you've tested out and tried new and just love to hear that as a closing comment. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, you know, the, I think the, the news that we, we, we buoy ourselves with every day here at the Children's Science Center is that um, we are still building a regional science center. And that's uh, perhaps for us the, the, biggest, um, the biggest momentum for our mission and our vision is that we are in the final throes, as you said, we're at, we're at 90% of our capital campaign raised as of today. And uh, we've got about eight and a half million to go on a $75 million campaign. But the funds that we've been able to raise and confirm even during this pandemic um, have been a, have allowed us to move forward with the design. And so the biggest, brightest spot on our horizon as we roll into 21 and 22 and 23 is that we'll be opening a regional science center. And so the momentum of that story um, and the opportunities to to um, engage folks along the way as we build our credibility and we continue evolving from the Children's Science Center to Northern Virginia Science Center um, are really exciting. Um, and so we have lots of positive things that will be happening um, for us. What we have to do is figure out how to keep them engaging in a virtual world. Um, for sure, our community conversations um, have been uh, a bright spot, enabling us to really bring those STEM practitioners um, into the highlight them. Um, working on what virtual interactive programming is mission forward, and uh, then also thinking a little bit again, perhaps, is what a museum without walls looks like in the interim. Right. Um, you know. The lab has become a television production studio. So what resources can we provide um, and raise to support the efforts so that the product that we, our team is able to deliver in, in, in terms of mission um, reaches the widest possible audience and with, the, with the best uh, possible outcome. 
certainly as every other fundraiser is doing, we are looking at ways to, um, ways to continue to act because the need is still there. Uh, one of the things that I think is hard uh, for arts and culture organizations and certainly the science center world in the industry is that we earn almost as much as we raise in a normal year through ticket sales, mm -hmm. product fees, um, field trips. And, and, and right now, that number is no longer going to look like what it was. And so advancement has to step up. But what we're doing is much more charitable than we ever did before. So finding ways to continue to in, engage folks to give um, without being tone deaf as an arts and culture organization. And I know, you know from the Giving USA report and Campbell's amazing resources that you always provide to us, we know that we're only 6% of the philanthropic pie. And so how do we, um, uh, in, a, in, 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 in a collaborative way, um, continue to work with our social service partners so that we're reaching and delivering mission in a wide audience, but also helping to raise some more dollars that are right now so much more needed than they were even on March 12th. For every opportunity, every ticket sold, every membership sold, every birthday party purchased, every um, field trip booked, 50% um, of those dollars um, supported the, the, the operations of this organization, which meant the other 50% was raised. And, and in 2021, that's going to look more like 10% um, earned and 90% raised. So that's... Hard. That's heavy, and uh, but it's a story that our donors need to hear. And as um, we believe, uh, arts and cultural organizations, museums in particular, have a place in our in our community, and we tell a powerful story. We are part of the human experience of engagement. And so, when we get to the other side of this, and and we will, right? Science is going to lead the way. <laughs> but when we get there. These arts and culture museums, these organizations, these uh, performing arts centers, we have to be here because we won't be able to tell the story if we're not. And so donors need to hear that, that while we're really grateful that, that social service organizations, frontline workers, um, frontline services are getting the support they need desperately, right? We hope a little bit of the pie is left over for us arts and culture folks now so that we'll still be here in the future. Totally agree with you, Jen. This is a question of what values does our society hold dear? What um, elements of our society do we want to make sure survive? And um, I'm so excited that the Children's Science Center is leading the way and, um, and really finding a way to thrive even during a difficult time such as this. Really appreciate your, um, your time today and your sharing about your experience. I'm really excited about the future for the Children's Science Center and can't wait to see opening day for the Northern Virginia Science Center in my own community. So um, thank you so much, Jen. It was just a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you again so much for the work that you do and the work of Campbell and company. Um, we appreciate the opportunity to share our story. Anytime I get to talk about Science Center, it's a good day. That's it for today. For more information, please visit us online at campbellcompany.com COVID-19 and follow us online on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter. Thanks for listening.